0: about the new role, that and I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to be able to do that? And as, as I was pondering it, the Lord popped the phrase in my mind, go in the strength you have. Amen. And then my mind started racing around a bit with notions of faith and mustard seeds and you know, all sorts of stuff, and what it actually means to have strength. And clearly the Lord was trying to tell me something out out of that story of Gideon. So I thought, well, first step, go back and read the story of Gideon. So you may like to look at Judges chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles with you. Um, I'm I'm just going to go very quickly through verses 11 to 16. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, now it just said Gideon was hiding in a wine press. (laughs) And the angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then in verse 13, Gideon says, but Lord, and verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? Amen. And verse 15, Gideon continues, but Lord, and in verse 16, the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alone. And of course, there's a whole lot more to the story than just those little bits. But nevertheless, the story does speak to us here in New Zealand in the 21st century. Israel in Gideon's time had again done evil in the sight of the Lord. It was verse one of that chapter. And as a consequence, they were living under severe lockdown <laughs> as the Midianites <laughs> destroyed anything and everything they could get their hands on. Now, does that ring any bells? It <laughs> does. Thank you, Lois. What about the wicked, ungodly laws that New Zealand governments have passed over the last decades? What about the lockdowns? What about the government control over fundamental freedoms, job losses, business foreclosures, relationship breakdowns, unexplained illnesses? We can realistically look at the world around us and see the powers of evil and corruption seemingly running rampant. Here in New Zealand, all the wickedness and the evil being plotted and carried out from bases in the North Hemisphere seem to be a very long way away. Yet the evidence is right in front of our eyes. Maybe there's even a sense that we too have been hiding from the Midianites taking some kind of acceptance of the situation, even believing perhaps that the Midianites are right in what they're doing. So where does that leave you and me? Do we have a role to play? What can we possibly do about it? But God. Amen. He is sovereign over every situation, regardless of what the circumstances might be telling us. and we do have a role to play in God's purposes and an important role, in fact. Now, before going into what it might look like for you and me in our daily realities, let's look at Moses' story. He had a similar encounter with the Lord a long time before Gideon did. Exodus chapter 3. The Lord challenged Moses at the burning bush and told him that he had a plan to rescue Israel from their enemies. In many ways, a similar situation to the sort that Gideon would face a long time later. And in Exodus 3, verse 10, the Lord says to Moses, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses' immediate reply was, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt, which could very easily be translated as what? (laughs) Me? You've got to be kidding, Lord. Despite the Lord's continuing encouragement and his promise to stay with Moses, yet Moses did not give up easily. He just (laughs) kept on justifying his reluctance. And in chapter 4 verse 2, the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Now both men were visited by the Lord in similar situations, long-term oppression and slavery in Moses' case, and equally bitter but different oppression for Gideon. In each case, despite the ignorance and the unfaithfulness of the people, God's love drove him to rescue them and set them free. The Lord's sovereign mercy chose Moses to lead the people away from Pharaoh's oppression, and he chose Gideon to lead Israel against the Midianites' oppression. Both men were totally taken aback by the Lord's commands and each tried to resist (laughs) very hard, (laughs) at least at first. And effectively, they both said the same thing. No way, Lord, not me. You've got the wrong guy this time. Have you ever done that? Try to convince the Lord. Try to convince yourself. There's no way you could possibly do what you sense He's asking of you. Yeah, well, yeah. I certainly have. I thought the Lord, for I don't know how many years about doing the study he asked me to do. I was not going to do it. (laughs) But you soon learn that you simply don't win the argument. It's just a whole lot easier to say, okay, Lord, just get on with it. Now, it's really significant that, in fact, the Lord did not rebuke Gideon. He did ignore his self-justification. Now, Gideon's first response had had come out of pain and fear and negativity in his heart. The circumstances were far from positive and hopeful. But the Lord didn't look at those circumstances. He saw the Gideon he had created. The warrior who was to defeat this vast Midianite army. And furthermore, he trusted Gideon with the role. That's a really, really important point. He trusted Gideon. And the Lord wasn't going to enter into a discussion with the man about what he could or could not do. Now, did you notice the end of verse 16 in, in Judges 6? It says, You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alone. Uh, sorry, leaving none alive. Whoops, it's a different <laughs> That's total, unequivocal victory. Mm, amen. Gideon was being promised absolute victory. Praise God. He would completely wipe out the enemies, with the Lord's help, of course. And the Lord's perspective was totally different from his original defeated, defeatist attitude, and we would do well to remember that. Now, similarly with Moses, there was no immediate rebuke. There was the promise, as with Gideon, of the Lord's presence with him. In Exodus 3.12, it says, I will be with you, as he had said to Gideon. Moses' discussion with the Lord was considerably more complex and challenging than Gideon's will ever be, given the enormity of the task ahead and the fact that Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years. By contrast, the oppression in Gideon's time had been a brief seven. But it was nevertheless pretty horrible. The Lord was effectively telling both Moses and Gideon that he trusted them to undertake their roles, Amen. that Moses had always been his choice for that task. But sadly, Moses was trying <laughs> his best to work out of it. Eventually, however, the Lord gets angry with Moses. And in the end, he said, Okay, you can have Aaron to be your spokesman. But he didn't let him off the job. (laughs) He just adjusted it a little bit. There was absolutely no getting out of it as far as Moses was concerned. God had called him, and that was that. Amen. We can still we can see that it still took quite a long time for both these men to come to terms with what they were being asked. Remember Gideon's story with the fleeces? I'll put out the fleece. Yeah, well, that worked. Okay, well, just one more time. Just one more time. Make it really clear. (laughs) Does that ring any bells? (laughs) Oh, Oh, my goodness. Have you ever felt that way? Yes. In your heart, in your heart, you know the Lord is asking something (laughs) of you, but you simply don't feel adequate. Or maybe you just feel tired. (laughs) Maybe you just feel worn out we may not be asked to lead three million people across a desert. And we may not be asked to pick a hundred men and go and slaughter an army. But we do know that we live in a very bitter and prolonged spiritual battle against a defeated enemy who refuses to submit. But God, but God. And with all that as background, I suppose, The main point I want to make is based around what the Lord said to Gideon, go in the strength you have. And his question to Moses at the end of Exodus chapter four, what's that you've got in your hand? Mm. In effect, these two words are saying the same thing. For Gideon, the Lord was saying, I have given you certain strengths and abilities. Now step out or step up and put them to use. In Moses' case, the Lord was asking him to consider the reality of who he was by looking at what was right there in front of him, the tools of his trade, as it were. When he calls us, he equips us, and he trusts us to complete the task with him. Although Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years, he had spent the first 40 years of his life in Pharaoh's palace. And he would not have forgotten those 40 years. And he certainly couldn't wipe them out of his memory. And remember, nothing is wasted in God's economy. I mean, some of us are um, guests of the government. (laughs) (laughs) the Lord still wants to use us until the day we die. Amen. Gideon wasn't totally and completely without strength. After all, he was in a wine press. He was threshing his wheat and it takes a little bit of physical strength to thresh wheat. And it's a bit like Jesus calling the fishermen and saying, come with me in the strength you have as fishermen and I'll make you fishers of men." Gideon would be a thresher of men. Now, that's an interesting image to ponder, isn't it? A thresher of men. This powerful word from the Lord included the promise, total and absolute, complete success. Verse 16 again in Judges 6, the Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. Total and absolute success none left alive, and Gideon would do it. We're not all called to be Gideons, but we all have been created for the Lord's purposes and plans, for the Lord's purposes and plans. Now, recently I listened to a couple of sessions with Johnny Enlow on Elijah strengths, and he talks about our Christian walk as being on assignment. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. Our Christian walk as being on assignment. That means that if you're alive, are you alive? If you're alive, then you have been given an assignment. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. Sorry, the screen's gone down a little bit. But this is what it says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And a couple of things that Johnny and I pointed out were, were that light has to be taken into the darkness, not vice versa. Yes, amen. And salt has to be taken to the food it's going to enrich or preserve, not vice versa. So you and I, as the light and the salt, must go into the world. And we do well to heed that warning in verse 13. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's really quite serious. Now, this is not about taking Jesus' light and salt into the world. It's the fact that we are the light and the salt. We go into the world. Light removes darkness, causing it to completely vanish, as you know. And as you also know, salt draws out the richness of flavor, and it preserves. And that's what we're being asked to do in the world. So how do I do that? How do I do it? How can I be light and salt? Well, when I was teaching secondary kids and advising them on their subject choices, I'd often ask them just two questions. And one of them was, what do you enjoy doing? And the other ones, what are you good at? And I believe the answers to those sorts of questions give us a clear picture of our calling and our assignment. What do we enjoy doing? What are we good at? At the very least, it'll start us thinking about it. And just one little caution: this is not necessarily about public ministry. <laughs> it doesn't mean you all have to go to Bible College and be pastors. Gideon faced an enormous challenge to trust the word of God that he could actually raise an army to wipe out the vast hordes of the Midianites and to take the first tentative steps of faith towards that goal and this is where when I was asked to take on this role with a glow and I'm thinking then you're giving me oversight of the entire Auckland region That's how I felt. And do you feel like that sometimes when you have a task in front of you? The challenge seems completely impossible and in some cases a bit ridiculous. But God. Amen. But God. And as we read through Gideon's story, we encounter his doubts and his hesitations. We've talked about the fleeces. But we also read about the Lord's wonderful patience as he struggled. Gideon's ultimate decision to trust the Lord and obey. Now we know the outcome. The fulfilment of the Lord's promise to totally wipe out the enemy. But this man went from describing himself like this My clan is the weakest one in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. (laughs) He went from that to being an absolute hero. Isn't that just like God? 1 Corinthians 1.27 God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Our Lord is fully aware of our humanity, our weaknesses, and our frailties. And if you're anything like me, you keep reminding him of your own weaknesses and frailties. He doesn't seem to want to listen to that (laughs) all that much. After all, he did create us, and Jesus came to earth living as a man fully who experienced and faced every trial and every temptation that you and I will (coughs) ever encounter. So he knows. In Psalm 78, in verse 39, it says, he remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. He knows. He knows and he still loves us and he still wants to use us. But he can't use me if I rely in my own strength. Amen. Remember the Lord said to Gideon, go in the strength you have. In other words, you do have some strength in our body, in our mind, in our relationships in our experiences, and these are good. They're God-given strengths. The Lord has given certain strengths and abilities to each and every one of us. And that's the parable of the talents. Matthew, Matthew 25 has a version and Luke 19 has a version. And in the Matthew account, the talents were distributed each according to his ability. And in Luke 19, the Lord said, put this money to work until I come back. (laughs) So there are different numbers of servants in the two versions. There's different allocations of money. There's different amounts. But regardless, the Lord expects a return on his investment. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. We are individuals before God, each created in his image and each totally unique. Each of us totally, absolutely, unchangeably unique in every aspect of who we are. Without exception, each one of us has been created to fulfil the plan and the purpose for which we were born. And as Paul said to the Ephesians, chosen before the creation of the world. Now, when that started to sink into my brain, I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't have words for this. Ephesians 1, we were chosen. We were chosen before the Lord even created the world. That's amazing. <sighs> We each have something in our hand. Remember what Moses was asked? What is that you have in your hand? We each have something in our hands. We each have been given a measure of strength. We can go in the strength that we have. So do we acknowledge it? Do we recognize it? Or do we tend to hide it? So if we're going to be used for the Lord in his purposes, then we go in his strength. And in the going, we make use of the strength we do have. Mm -hmm. Go in the strength you have. It's just as Paul wrote to the people at Corinth about building their church. Paul was a man of vast intellect, a scholar of the highest order. Yet he counted all that as Mm dung, Because he knew that only by building on the foundation of Christ, And having total trust in him was anything worthwhile. And 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ That's verse 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. So again, I say, "Go in the strength you have, the Lord said, "I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive alive. What is that in your hand? I will be with you. I believe that's the Lord's word to us today. What strengths, what interests, what capacities do I have now today? What do I have in my hand?" We can consider our current situation and acknowledge that although we may not be able to get into politics or change the situation in a war torn country or make headlines in any way or even want to, we must remember that the Lord has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise and He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So we're all foolish and we're all weak. <laughs> what strengths? What interests, what capacities do I have now, today? What do I have in my hand, in my family, in my neighbourhood, in my job? How can I be that light that drives out darkness and that salt that brings out the flavour and preserves? Because my own heart cries out for New Zealand, I have to comment on the similarities between Israel's situation with the Midianites and the COVID-19 situation globally, and especially in New Zealand. It's actually relevant, because it's a timely reminder that we have been called, as Esther was, for such a time as this. It's not by chance that you and I are alive today, and not at some other time in history. What do you see in Judges 6, chapter 5? The Midianites, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Now, to me, that's the so-called pandemic. Without any evidence of genuine concern for public health, the authorities swept through the land with excessive and prolonged lockdowns, cruel, unjustified mandates the imposition of an experimental injection in the guise of a cure and medically unsound rules around wearing masks. As a consequence, our land has been truly ravaged. And what's to say they won't do it again? At this point, I'll refrain from making the parallel with Pharaoh's Egypt and leave that to your imagination. But be assured that there is gross evil and wickedness afoot in the world. And we ignore or trivialize it at our peril. We must be continually praying, continually praying for God's purposes, for righteousness and justice and truth. And even without considering the last three years and all the ramifications, We all face situations in our life when the Lord asks us to walk a particular path we simply don't feel prepared for or capable of walking along. And so the call, go in the strength you have, applies to each of us, as does the question, what is that in your hand? There's also the story of Elisha and the widow in 2 Kings 4, and his question to that woman was, what do you have in the house? It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, So where can we be light and salt? We might consider the nationwide church, for instance. Now, far be it from me to accuse or to condemn, but it would seem fairly clear there's a great deal in the church today that needs fresh alignment with the word of God. Many who claim to be Christian blatantly defy the word of God and make God at their own image. Now, the Apostle Peter warned us that there would be false teachers among us, and Paul advised Timothy of the same thing. There will be a time when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Well, ain't that the truth? Now, as I was, as I was preparing this by way a little, little bit of New Zealand history, I remember in the 1960s, here in New Zealand, Professor Lloyd Gearing, who incidentally is now Sir, shame, he was the head of the Presbyterian Theological College in Dunedin, and he publicly declared, God is dead. Charges of heresy were brought against him by conservative Christians, such as Professor Blakelock at Auckland University, but the charges were dismissed. Now, his books are still available. And a couple of them are called Christianity Without God. Reimagining God. Now, believe it or not, that man is still alive. And he'd be about 104 now. But he's just one really, really big example. His soul's The Lord would be justified and saying today, as he did in Judges 6, but you have not listened to me. Mm-hmm. So again, where do you and I fit in? Well, another little story. Many decades ago, there was a billboard of the highway in Waikato roundabout about Anguriri. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, what's missing? You are. Oh, you are. And, and I, can't, I can't say often enough, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself again, we do well to heed the Lord's comments to Gideon and to Moses and the question that Elisha asked the widow, go in the strength you have. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in the house? So to encourage our hearts, let's consider our identity, who God says we are. And I would actually like us to all read together from Ephesians 1, from verse 3 through to verse 14. And I know you've all got different translations, so I've actually put it up on the screen. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. 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 My goodness, that passage, you need to, it, every time I read it, I think, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. My goodness. My goodness. Every spiritual blessing. He chose us before the creation of the world. He predestined us. He has freely given us everything. Mm. Amen. The riches of God's grace, which he's lavished upon us. Amen. And then he's guaranteed that we'll get it all <laughs> with the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, just in case... The people at Ephesus didn't get the message the first time around. And just in case we don't get it the first time around, Paul repeats it all in Ephesians chapter 2. And in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance For us to do. Amen. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are kings and priests, in other words, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. And I finish by asking again, what is that in your hand? <laughs> Thank you, <Lord. laughs> What do you have in the house? Mm. Go in the strength you have. Praise Let's Jesus. pray. Mighty God, what can we say? Mm. Lord, you have lavished your love upon us. You have called us, you've chosen us, you've given us a role to play in your kingdom. We have a purpose here to bring your kingdom to this earth so that your will might be done here as it is in heaven. Let's just take a minute or two and let the Lord speak into our hearts. Change our hearts, O God, and make our hearts totally pure, Mm. totally right before you, because you are the potter. Mm. We are the clay. Mould us and make us, Lord, in accordance with your will. Lead us, guide us, walk beside us. Thank you. Amen, Lord. I think we should sing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. I exalt thee. about shouting I exalt thee. I exalt.